and good evening. My name is Marty Plum, and I'm your host of a pen and a napkin podcast, the weekly coaching clinic you can carry around with you in your pocket. And we are saddened. We are in a bit of mourning, I would say, Mr. Hall. Um, this is episode 17 of Winning Time, uh, season two, episode seven. And unfortunately, Mr. Hall, it will be our last review of winning time. How are you handling the news? I was kind of surprised with it. Um, I first saw it on Twitter, I guess. I kind of, I didn't watch the show Sunday night, so I watched it Monday a couple times, and then I saw the Twitter's post on Sunday saying, or X, I guess it is. Yeah. Um, that it was gonna, that was more than likely canceled, and then after I watched it, I was like, yeah, they probably wouldn't have done what they did at the end to um, come back for another year. I'm kind of disappointed, so I would like to see a few more seasons at least, or at least another year of going over some more of the 80s of the Lakers and the Celtics, especially yeah. the Lakers. Yeah. Um, you know, Perlman had been talking about this, and we had talked about it, and I, you know, had, you know, he said some things, and... I actually uh, saw on Twitter it was it was it was really interesting. Uh, he did a pod. Apparently, you know, uh, everybody's got a pod, I guess, including yeah. yours truly. But uh, he did a podcast with his wife, and he talked about. And it's a really it's a really easy listen. It's only about a half hour long. Um, he just talked about his experiences, some of the things he really enjoyed, uh, the people he uh, got close to during the process. But he he. Uh, he said that the biggest thing that hurt the show was the writers strike and the actors strikes, uh, because they weren't able to go out and promote it to put their faces in front of cameras and say, go watch winning time. I mean, uh, John C. Riley and, and Michael Schickless and, and all of these people that are really Adrian Brody, uh, playing Pat Riley. Um, you know, just they, they, they were unable to, to promote it the way that it needed to be promoted. And he, he felt like that was the biggest reason why the show got canceled. He really, him and his wife really thought that if, if the strikes would not have happened and he, and he wasn't criticizing the strikes. Uh, he understood where they were coming from, uh, the, the actors guild and the writers guild. He understood why the actors weren't crossing the picket lines. I mean, if you're union, you got to stay together, et cetera, et cetera. He just said he thought that was the biggest reason why. Yeah, that's kind of what I had a feeling with this still in limbo with potential fall series that started for regular TV shows. I noticed a lot of them weren't going to be happening. So mm. I kind of had somewhat of a feeling this was going to happen with this show if they didn't get it solved. Uh-huh. Um, kind of disappointing that it has to go that way, but um, I understand where writers and everyone's coming from on their end. Yeah, yeah, you got to protect yourself. I mean, you got to protect your living, and 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 you and I have to do that in in our full time jobs. And so you can't you can't ever blame anybody for for protecting what what puts food on their tables, you know. So I, I absolutely see where they're coming from and understand it. So, um, but we are still. We are still, uh, if, if you had to, and, and I think, you know, Casey, we've obviously done every single episode together here. Um, I do think, though, that there were some storytelling mechanisms that could have gone better. 
and we've been up and down with that. Um, we both believe that season two was much better than season one. I really think they had a chance there. And we had talked about this in season one. I think one of the gravest crimes that they made is they had no basketball played on the floor until season or until episode four. I mean, this is supposed to be a story about a basketball team and they didn't have a anything on the court until the fourth episode. Um, you don't make a war movie without battles. You don't make you don't make a, a rom com without jokes and and um, kissing and and stuff like that. You know, physical intimacy uh, in some way, shape, or form. So to make a basketball show um, about basketball and not have any basketball until the fourth episode, and then we've also talked up and down and upside down about uh, some of the focus of the storytelling off the court and and some stories that probably did not have as much to do with the team as as they could have dug into stuff with the team itself um i think those were the two biggest mistakes that they made yeah no i agree um yes this episode this season was way better than season one um way more intriguing um with different pieces and like you said there wasn't a Last thing get started till later, but some of the off court stuff, just the general management stuff that we kind of behind the scenes, that was some of that was intriguing. Yeah. But as you said, uh, some of the relationship stuff that was going on might have drug out or been involved a little more than it probably should have been. Mm-hmm. But you do have to, I guess, fill a storyline somewhere in there. Yeah. So, well, um, Let's let's put, let's put the wrap on this episode here, buddy. Um, okay. Let's let's uh, and, and we're both kind of on a time crunch here, so Briggs has got to go out and slap it around here a little bit tonight. How's how is he? Is he a right hander or a left hander? Right. All right. Okay. So you have tra- you have a chance to have a Ryan Sandberg on your hands here. Uh, I, I I hope so, but I don't have a good feeling about it <laughs> because the kind I think the Cubs could use a Rhino right now on their roster. <laughs> We take Gary Matthews right now. Yes. <laughs> oh, Cubs sidebar for twenty seconds. They they were so hot for a month and a half. They were due to come down a little bit and hit a skid. Hopefully, they can correct here the last two weeks. Uh, that's my that's my ten second analysis. They've got thirteen games. They've got to win at least eight. I think. Okay. All right. Um, all right, we're done with the Cubs now. We'll jump back into a different sports franchise. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, overall thoughts, uh, yeah, what would you think of the, the, sh- the this episode altogether? I've got quite a few bullet points. I've got some music, got some got some things here. Um, but I'll let you start, Casey, just kind of your overall thoughts, some things you noticed. This is what I've been waiting for. Yeah. Like, it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, being not every game fully in one through seven, but seeing important pieces of every game was great. Yep. Um, the key situations, the emotions of the players, you could tell, you could see that. I mean, that was true to the, true to the T. Yep. Um, that was awesome. Um, seeing all the, I mean, there's multiple Hall of Fame players that got shown there. Just not, I mean, just not on the Lakers team, but I mean on the Celtics team. Yep. Um, seeing different the different fans um, that were celebrities there. That was great. Um, the um, pregame with the Brent Musburger coming in. 
um, I went back and found the original pregame, and it was pre- I mean, it's pretty close to what he said awesome. verbatim on there. That was pretty cool, um, and having his, having his voice. Now, I don't know if they took that from, like, the original or if he came in and did that or not. Mm-hmm. Um, but either way, it was great having that with Brett Musburger on there. Yep. Um, I thought that was good. Um, even, like... I know we bashed on Honey a lot, uh, but I liked how they brought different situations where they talked about Bus potentially losing the Lakers with this yeah. legal battle going on and all the money that he had to worry about and how how he was going to get through it and deal with one Claire and other employees of the Lakers. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was, I mean. I know we don't like the honey situation, but it kind of shows where he was in the era of the NBA yep. in the eighties. Yep. Um, but I thought I thought very well done. Great scenes with great basketball mm-hmm. on the floor. Um, I loved the one-on-one stuff with Magic and Larry. Yeah. Like just battling, and I mean, Larry won those instances but just like watching it, it's like holy cow that's like legit yeah that's like how it was that's how it was supposed to be i mean i just thought it was very well done very good um a good way to end it i would say yeah you know one of the things that perlman said on his on his pod was the only thing that it, it just it bothers him that it's a show about the lakers and it wraps up with the celtics winning you know, right. you know, it's like that, that, that's, that is the disappointing part. Yep. Yep. Um, I agree with, with every single one of your points. Uh, first thing I wrote down, uh, Musburger with three exclamation points and then the old school graphics from CBS and they yeah. did a great job. And, and, and I, when I still think of the, the, the NBA in the 1980s, the first thing that pops into my head was those graphics, like seeing seeing those, you know, particular CBS graphics uh, with the big bold yellows, and um, obviously you know my son Carter, um, and and you've spent time with him and stuff. And uh, I remember one time Carter was about twelve, and we were watching some retro throwback '80s game on ESPN Classic. Yeah, and and he's just watching the game. He's like, "Dad's, what's the score right now?" I don't know. Well, where's the scoreboard? I don't know. Yeah. They just, they, I don't know. But how are you supposed to know the score is and how are you supposed to know how much time's left in the game? And I'm like, well, this is the way it was, buddy, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. I, I didn't even think about that, but I, I, I didn't even think of that situation. Like, yeah, they never showed the score unless it was like coming back from a commercial or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you, you might get a quick flash, you know, Boston 82, Los Angeles 77. Uh, as they're bringing it up the floor when there's no major action. You know, you might get up there for like three seconds, and then they, they pull it back off real quick so you can see the whole floor. Yeah. And um, So that w- that was awesome. Uh, two great songs featured here. A little Easy Lover, the duet between Phil Collins and Michael, or uh, I'm sorry, Phil Collins and Philip Bailey. Uh, that was really good. And then we I had that one written down for you. Yeah, thank you, sir. Uh, and then Pat Benatar's Shadows of the Night, which I have heard Pat Benatar sing live, not once, my friend, but twice. I've seen that twice. Oh, wow. so, uh, so that was really good. 
Coaches in the Omaha metro area, get signed up today for the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Coaches Clinics to be held at Union Bank and Trust facilities out in West Omaha, 204th and Dodge. We've got another great lineup this fall here for Wednesday nights. We're going to get you taken care of. we got a lot of great stuff here. Starting on September 20th, an on-the-court demonstration by two of the best coaches in the region. Trent Miller, the men's basketball coach at Morningside College, and then the highly successful coach of the Creighton Blue Jays on the women's side. Jim Flannery is going to come out and do an on-court demonstration for the coaches in the area. Week 2, September 27th, it's going to be Doug Woodard, the former head coach at Bellevue West and multiple state champion coach there, along with Derek Kellogg, who's an assistant coach at Creighton University on the men's side of the ball. So you've got two great coaches there they are going to talk. On October the 4th, you've got Fred Hoiberg, the head men's basketball coach at the University of Nebraska, going to come in and do some talking, I'm sure, about his offensive philosophy. And then Andy Shaw from Iowa Western, one of the best small, uh, one of the best junior college programs in the country. The last week here, October the 11th, Ken McDonald from USA Basketball is going to come in. He's got a lot of different experiences that he's going to share, and all of this stuff is going to be at the OSA facility at the Union Bank and Trust Arena, two one zero one five Cumberland Drive, out in Elkhorn. Uh, there's going to be wings, there's going to be beverages, there's going to be door prizes, a lot of really, really good stuff. If you want to get signed up for this year's MBCA, uh, get a hold of Tom Crable here at Boystown. The address is 9002 Pacific Street in Omaha, 68114. He'll get you set up, or you can sign up at the door. But it is one of the best clinics that you're going to have. A lot of great coaches, a lot of great company, a lot of great discussions here at the Metro Basketball Coaches Association Clinics. So get signed up for those today. Let's talk about the basketball stuff, Casey. I, I, there's there's so much. Uh, I, I tell you what. Let's talk about our favorite non-basketball scenes, and then let's jump into the basketball stuff and break that down. How's that sound? That works. Okay. Um, my personal favorite uh, non-basketball scene of this episode was Claire tearing into uh, Jerry, uh, Dr. Buss, in the office. That was that was a lot. Of, I mean, I wrote down uh, would love to see more Claire, and this is I didn't find out it was canceled until after the show was over. I mean, I knew uh, once they started flashing the graphics at the end of the episode, I was like, okay, it's got to be canceled. There's no way that they're they're not going to put all that crap on there and go, right. oh, come back for season three. We've just told yeah. you the rest of the story, so I knew it was done at that point. Uh, but that was that was an awesome scene. That was my one scene that stood out, and there was so much basketball um, that. You know, there, you know, it was kind of the the proportion. It was proportionally the way we kind of envisioned it from the get go, where it was going to be a lot of basketball with some other stuff thrown in there. And uh, yeah, that was my favorite scene. Um, I that I had that one written down as a non on the floor situation. I thought that was really good. Uh, another one I kind of liked was Larry uh, Larry Bird when his mom was talking to him in the locker room. Yep, um, I just kind of liked her like bluntness like do you enjoy what you're doing do you like this like what happened to my son that would smile a little bit every now and then and he's like that's not who i am and it's like it's like okay we're kind of getting a little more in depth on larry there yeah um i like that one but my overall favorite one was and you can count this as basketball but off basketball was magic and jerry west conversation after that game one or game two, game. I'm going blank game now. Two. I think it was game, game two because they were they were back in Los Angeles. 
Yeah. They yeah, were back in L.A. they had just lost. Yep. I thought that was one of the best. I mean, that was one of the best scenes I've seen. Um, that sounded weird. Um, it's spelled differently. Episode. I understood you. Yeah. Huh? That, that that I saw all year. Mm-hmm. Um, just Jerry West being blunt about like, hey, I did the same thing. I put all this weight on my shoulders, didn't trust my teammates, and look where it's gotten me. Yeah. Um, and just being telling like, magic, like, Hey, you got to be like Russell was, he made Bill Russell was the best player on the Celtics teams, but he made all those name no names, somebody, yep. you've got to do that with your teammates. Yep. And I thought that was great. I think that's, I mean, that's kind of a coaching point too, yep. but it's also a great scene on just a hall of famer telling a potential hall of famer, Hey, you can't put all this weight on yourself because if you do that, you're not going to get it done. You've got to be able to rely on somebody else and your teammates to be able to get it done. I thought that was just a great conversation in general. Yeah. Um, I had one of the, the quotes I had written down for best quotes uh, when Wes said, they'll get the glory when you're done winning. Uh, and man, that, that hit home with me. It's like, no, man, you know, everybody has to be in this together, you know, Troy Bolton style, uh, high school musical reference. Yeah. Uh, but you know, that was, that was, I agree with you. That was a great scene as well where, yeah, he, you know, just, that was the brilliance of Russell and, um, you know, drove Jerry West mad and yeah, I mean, yeah, I think he nailed it, buddy. I think that's really good. So, um, anything, uh, anything else? On, on I think those were kind of the ones off the mm-hmm. floor that I that I've written down. Yep. Um, let's get into the basketball stuff. I, I think we're both in agreement. The basketball scenes were awesome. They, they, they yeah. The, yeah. The the actual whether it was in the locker room or out on the floor, really, really well done. I love the way they opened it up. Um, Riley still talks about it. Uh, he talked about it in that uh, best of enemies or whatever uh, the 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 thirty for thirty. Yep. You know, I screwed up by not advancing the ball. Uh, Magic screwed up by calling the timeout or whatever it was, and uh, you know, and then Worthy lobs the pass over to. Um, uh, he was throwing it over to Cooper, I think, or uh, yeah, I believe it was Cooper. Yeah, and, it was the Cooper. Yeah, and then Gerald Henderson steps in and 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 steals it and lays it up and in, and then Magic dribbles the clock out. Um, McHale's clothesline on Rambus was really really well done. Um, you know the game the game five the the the, the non air conditioning game uh, where it was like ninety four degrees inside the Boston Garden and it was uh, Kareem was on the side. I mean, just man, they just they just nailed every single detail of what they did there and uh just a fabulous fabulous job i i i um you know i wrote down a few things uh on on when when uh mikhail clothesline rambus um you know just that two free throws you know today mikhail would have been suspended for a month and they're like ah two free throws you know um Kind of like I don't know if you I'm sure you remember this Casey when Robert Parrish just went Chuck Norris on Bill Lame Beer in the '87 Eastern Conference Finals, and I mean he literally just like punched him in the face like three times, and they're like ah, common foul, let's go the other way. I mean it was just a different just a different era of playing basketball. So and about and about 20 years later we had the malice in the palace. And <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now 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 if you touch anybody you're suspended for yeah two years. 
Yeah. So, um, the, 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 oh, uh, another thing with, you know, with game four, uh, Cornbread Maxwell walked in front of James Worthy and did the choke sign, like literally right in front of James Worthy yeah. and, and ML Carr with the final. I mean, but I, I mean, hats off. You got to give credit where credit is due. They absolutely nailed the, the basketball stuff and, and all the great. This, this is what made that 84 championship series such a great series. And, and, uh, Man, they they absolutely nailed it. Yeah, I think. I mean, they. I mean, reenacting all of those key moments in each game and ser- and the whole series was very well done. I mean, you can go back and anybody can go back on YouTube and pull up and watch the whole each game if they wanted to. But mm-hmm. it, I mean, what they did and how they did it was just perfect. Yep. Um, and it showed. It showed in. You know, like just being an actor, like them being actors, it's probably tough to try to be like, man, I got to be mad or I got to be James Worthy and throw this pass and do this. And it's like, how do I really want to do this? Because, man, I didn't want that to happen. <laughs> There's so, no like, way I'd really do this in a real game. Yeah. Yeah. Just living in the moment and doing all that stuff. And they're probably some of them may or may not be old enough to remember it, but or seen a lot of it but yeah. man it's just how they did it and the actors did a great job of portraying i thought the rambus close the clothesline on rambus by mikhail and how they did it all i mean it showed exactly what happened mm-hmm. before after and during yep and then and then how it care continued to carry over was just very well done yeah and, and even even at the end of game seven when Celtics fans stampede the floor. Yep. I mean, just Kareem punching somebody. Yep. That happened. (laughs) Rambus punching somebody. Yep. Yep. That happened. And he went to court over it. I mean, just and how they had to run out of there just to get out. It's just unreal how well they did that and showing like you can even see in pictures, people hanging off the backboards like they showed yep. when they went away from it. It's very well done. Yep. yep. You know, you're talking about that game four, you know, even Kareem's elbow against bird and they start jawing at each other and Kareem started yeah. jawing at him. Uh, I mean, just really, really well done. I mean, just the whole thing, uh, minor, minor detail. And again, I'm, I'm slightly more seasoned and experienced than you, Casey. So I uh-huh. think this fashion fad was probably done by the time you got there. The old Celtics, uh, about around 19, from about 1983 to 1985, we had these things called painters caps and they, they showed them there. And I remember those, those old Celtics painter's caps and i had two painters i had one for iowa and one for iowa state and i had a painter's cap that i would wear all the time and uh you know just just and it was only for like a split second but if you're somebody around my seasoned and experienced number man that that, boom that that put me right back into 1984 when they put that in there and uh I, I just I just thought it was great. I, I I did write down whatever happened to uh to storming the court. I mean, uh we, we still have court stormings today, uh, but uh they're they're much more calm than they were back then, uh without a doubt. And like you said, Kareem decking the guy, Rambus decking the guy. And it's probably for the better that they're not as death defying for the athletes would, on the floor. You know I would say it's security's involved more. Um, nine eleven happened. Yeah, 
Um, so I think that's a lot of it. And then if you're, if it's a college sport, it's called uh, a big fine from your conference or NCAA. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah, just, just so many things. I, I think, I think we got to give it an A plus for basketball realism this week, don't you? Oh, oh yeah, by far. Yeah, it's best best basketball they've shown. Mm-hmm. Yep, magic. I'm just I'm just going through my thing here. Uh, magic dribbling it out at the end of regulation. So Worthy throws the pass and and Henderson steals it, and then Magic dribbles it out and McAdoo just chucks it at the backboard at the end there. Yeah, I mean just uh, um you know oh uh, Bird. In game four, Bird sticking his his took us out and shoving Cooper out of bounds. That happened there, um, just like well, the, like I was trying to find that. Is that, that like that happened? Oh yeah, game four that happened. But did, but did he was Cooper like trying to run back in play? Because like when you see it, I couldn't find it online. Could like when you see it in the show, it looked like Cooper was trying to go behind him while he was out of bounds. Still, yeah, yeah, um, he was. He was, yeah, he was kind of trying to loop around him, and and Larry just kept shoving and kept shoving, and and it was pretty accurate how they recreated it. He went into, okay. he fell into the uh, to the bank of the photographers there, and and yeah, I mean the we 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 say a lot of bad things. Uh, there, there's a lot of basketball purists that are not big fans of the tactics of the bad boys pistons of the late 80s and the early 90s but they had to learn it from somewhere and the the celtics there in game four uh yeah. the, the the clothesline the elbow uh bird chuck it i mean that yeah that was that was all really really well done and uh yeah and 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 recreated very very well so yeah that happened that happened they did a pretty good job of recreating it so yeah uh bird even even like um, Bird hitting that little today we'd call it like a Nowitzki, uh, fifteen footer from the elbow there. That little step in uh, yep. front reverse, and, and and he hit that fadeaway there. I mean, that's the same spot on the on the floor that he hit it. I think Magic was guarding him when he did that. Rip through and 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 knock down that shot from from right at that just outside that right elbow. Um, I mean, just bam, 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 bam. I mean, just a plus plus plus. Uh, even um the game seven comeback uh i wrote that down as well casey uh you know the celtics were up big and then the lakers just kept coming back coming back and then they you know for for all intents and purposes they just ran out of time there and they had to play perfectly and they they had to play perfectly for eight minutes and they played perfectly for about six and a half and then magic did make that big mistake his um the papers were calling him tragic johnson after after that series because of of you know game two game seven uh, what happened in Game Four? You know, just uh, the, the Lakers probably should have won that series. You know, five to two, and they ended up losing it four to three. You know, if yeah. they if they would have played it out. So, um, yeah, just terrific stuff. Anything else on that? No, nope, I think we hit most of the stuff. I mean, we could talk about the in-game stuff forever. Yeah. Yep. Um, Spencer Haywood. Who made the most out of? The, I, I, okay. Well, sorry, we forgot worst scene. I only had one bad scene. Uh, Jeannie, uh, going back to pick fair to pick up Dr. Bus. I actually, uh, the, 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 and I've, and I have, I have not been a fan of the, the honey storyline and, but I will say that I really liked, uh, far and away her best scene of the whole season was in the conference room 
and they were going down all the things that that Dr. Buss did, and and I thought that okay, that I mean to a slight degree made it worth it a little bit to see that. Uh, and obviously we won't get any resolution to that storyline because I'm guessing they were going to carry that into season three. Uh, but uh, I thought that was pretty good. Um, the the only scene I didn't like was Jeannie going back to pick fair to pick up Jerry and, and them talking. I was like, okay, come on, let's go. Let's move on. You know? Yeah. That's, that's the one I had written down. I was like, we know he's getting bummed. We didn't need to worry about it. Just, say I'm going to the game and my dad's going with me or something. I just, yeah, I agree. That was probably the worst one that I had written down. Yep. Coaches are absolutely loving our taking over a new program booklet. As many of you know, I spent two years outside of coaching. And during that time, I hung a note card in my workspace at school that said, strip the house down to the studs. I took that time to really rethink and reorganize my thoughts on what it takes to run a transformational program. As I prepared for the possibility of coaching again, I organized these thoughts into this 96-page booklet. How much do I trust this booklet? I used this booklet as I went on interviews to help sell myself and my vision for what my new program would look like. If I'm using it to sell myself, why wouldn't I recommend it to you, my listeners? This booklet will help you look at any part of your program, no matter what stage you're at in your program, and help improve it in some way. It's all yours for only $15, which includes shipping and handling. For more information, email me at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com. Spencer Haywood, who made the most out of the 80s and survived, what did you have? I honestly didn't have anybody. I didn't really. I mean, there was nothing that was really eye-popping out of that. I mean, we could say magic just because we find out what happens seven years later. Sure. How about we throw this one out here? Um, just, Just for old time's sake. Jerry West listening to a finals game on a radio and watching him react. Um, That's, that was crazy. Like, he's the GM. Like, I'm, I'm sitting there watching this, and, like, all the players' families are there. Yep. And Rambus's girlfriend yep. goes. but And that was in L.A., that one was. But Magic's parents are there. I mean, I'm assuming others are. But Jerry West, the GM, is sitting at home. will listen to it on the radio. Yeah. Yeah. And one on the radio, like I'm sure he could have watched it on CBS. Yeah, yeah, because they were they were not tape delayed after that point, you know. Yeah. So, um, but you know, in Moneyball, I'm assuming you saw Moneyball with Brad Pitt, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, he didn't watch the games. He went yeah, and lifted weights. You know, he was always working out when the game was on. Yeah. So I guess we. So you know, again, this is the last one of these we're going to do. So Jerry West. Our, our Spencer Haywood, who made the most out of the '80s and survived, and and the logo is still alive today. So let's let's give it to him for that. How about that, buddy? That, that works. All right. The Pat Riley DNPCD, who should not have been in this episode. Uh, I have somebody written down. I'll I'll give you first shot. I mean, I didn't really have anybody. I mean, Jeannie might be the only one. Okay. Um, but in the end, it got to a point where, I mean, the storytelling of what we know happens of her becoming the first female owner. Yep. I mean, um, but that was kind of where I was at. Um, other than that, like, I felt most everybody that we wanted to see had a pretty big part in this episode. Yep. I had um, Magic's parents 
where just oh yeah, I guess I didn't even think about them. Yeah, they kind of came out of nowhere, and then all of a sudden we're investing three, four minutes of film time with him. You know, they're having supper with with Cookie and Irvin, um, and they're they're talking shop and and everything. And I'm not I'm not to say that those conversations didn't happen. I'm sure they did, and and that situation. And again, you know, you could tell they didn't anticipate that they were going to get cut off. Um, because that was an unresolved storyline as well. I have a feeling that early in season three, Magic was going to look back at these finals and say, "Cook, I gotta, I got just got to focus on basketball. I was distracted during the finals and blah blah blah," which is kind of what happened. Um, and uh, you know, so you know, I, I understand big picture if they thought they were going to get renewed, why they were there, but it was just kind of odd where boom here we are and now we're having this dinner and and stuff so that was my, that was think, my I had, something, I had something written down kind of on that with cookie like you know after game that had been game two where he's like hey cookie hold on a second i want to talk to you mm-hmm. you know that scene there like yep. Yep. was he gonna tell him like hey i want you guys to go home or do you think like that's where the cheating started to happen I think that was probably um, something like, um, let's talk about uh, let's talk about our relationship, and I'm not really sure about where this is going, and I've got to focus on okay. uh, basketball more than anything else. Uh, that would be that would be my guess. I you know obviously we'll never know what the intention of that conversation right. was going to be, but that um that that's my guess that's my guess knowing the you know what i've read about their relationship and everything um you know that type of thing so that'd be my guess that'd be my guess so um best quotes best quotes uh we could tennis match this uh if if you're okay with that uh i'll I'll start with the west one i said you know they'll get the glory when you're done winning you know, and I and I thought that was I thought that was really really good. So um, that was my first suggestion. What do you what do you got? I got the one where Red is talking to Jerry West, and he says, uh, "Players know it's it's our culture. Um, we're a machine that turns into greatness. There will always be another and another and another." Just talking about how mm-hmm. I can keep on turning Hall of Famers out left and right. Uh, I just thought that was great. I mean, it doesn't continue like that for the Celtics we know yeah. but just just his mentality as an owner like it doesn't matter we're going to keep pumping out greatness and great players every day yep um i i yeah and 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 he did have a plan and then unfortunately for the Celtics tragically both Len Bias and Reggie Lewis passed away far too young yeah um and then that led to Bird and and Mikhail and Parrish just having to play too much and wearing down their bodies prematurely and and all that other stuff. So, uh, so so that's uh, absolutely yeah. I, I like that one. That that was kind of in. Uh, I want to talk about that scene when we talk about coaching points as well, Casey. So, um, you know the again nailing the basketball realism. Uh, Larry Bird's famous uh, quote after Game Three. Uh, we played like sissies. I don't know how else to put it. Um, you know, word for word quote from from Larry Bird. 
Um, I'm hoping he had shorts on when he said it uh, in the show. <laughs> in the show. <laughs> he, he did not. <laughs> but, uh, 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 you know, that might have been one of his most quotable. You know, Larry was not known for a lot of great quotes, but uh, that's one he's definitely known for. And, again, I thought they nailed that there. So that that's my next one. Um, another one I had was just Riley talking after game four, after everything went berserk with all the clotheslines and elbows and stuff. It was just keep your cool. Yeah. But just, just put to the point. I thought that was just like perfect. It's kind of part of the coaching points too, but like just keep your cool, just play. Don't worry about every, all the other distractions. I thought that was a really good one. Yeah. Um, I got a couple from Claire here. Um, Prohibition was dumb. <laughs> I thought that was funny. And then um, I, I can't, uh, in our PG-13 podcast, I can't say what she yelled outside uh, as she walked out of Jerry's office. But I think that's kind of the way some people felt about Dr. Buss at times. He was such a uh, train wreck in, in some ways at times. Brilliant, brilliant a lot of the time, but train wreck other times. And and her, um, her uh, screaming... <laughs> when she, um, when she stepped out of there in her three-word line, I thought that was really funny, and I, I giggled out loud when she said that. So, um, so yeah, that was my next one. Um, I, I've got three left. What do you got? I got two left. I got um, Andy Jick when he goes pampered, pampered pretty boys from Hollywood can't handle it when uh, air conditioner non-existent and uh, oh yeah didn't work and everyone was dying of heat it was crazy they said oh it's a it's a bombing 85 degrees in boston i'm like holy cow that's like mild weather nowadays yeah um yeah it was it was they they had a massive heat wave that that went through boston early in in june that uh yeah that jack that that just you know it's it's kind of like um you know, like in England, I guess they don't have a lot of air conditioners because it very rarely yeah. gets into like the you know, uh, you know the high temps are like the mid eighties. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know that I've never been to England, um, so I shouldn't say that uh, with with a lot of authority. But um, yeah, I, I got one from there um, when Red asked the janitor, "You turn their water back on? <laughs> Just the hot?" Uh, yeah, that that was good. Um, I got I got one more here. Uh, when Mikhail Mikhail went over to to Rambus after the clothesline, and he's like, "Hey Kurt, hey Kurt," and and Bird grabs him and he says, "Apologize, and I'll break I'll break your blanking neck." Yeah, um, I had that written down. I had that one down too. Yeah, yeah. So, um, was that your last one? Uh, my last one was when Magic went in and talked to Kareem with a migraine, and Kareem goes, when I'm in pain like this, I take it out on punk blank white boys. And yeah. I just I thought that was like, you know that's a gamer right there. Yeah, yep. Um, I kind of got one here, too. You, you referenced the scene with Bird and his mom, and uh, she said, you're my second favorite player. My first favorite is Bill Lane Beer. Uh, oh, man. That's that that cuts deep. You know that's got to cut deep. That was pretty funny though. That was pretty funny. So I was I started laughing when I heard that one. That was pretty good. Yeah, that was good. So 
A pen and a napkin university videos are just another way that a pen and a napkin can help you become a better coach. Our university video library is constantly expanding with topics ranging from interviewing for a job to full court defense to 25 universal truths about coaching. Our university videos will help you round out your skill set as a coach and help you hone your craft. Videos are $10 a piece with bundling options available. To order, you can DM me on Twitter, send me an email at a pen and a napkin at gmail.com, or order from our website, a pen and a napkin.com. Be sure to check out the A Pen and a Napkin video library. Um, coaching points or concepts that you have from this episode, Casey. Uh, I've got, uh, I don't know, five or six different things here. Um, uh, yeah, let's, let's tennis match it here. And uh, I, I, I'll go ahead and go first here. Uh, you're, you're talking about red. You're talking about how he was talking about the Celtics and, and all of these things. And yeah, you know, I mean, you, you, you want to build a culture builder bigger than one person. Um, and, and that's the goal and, and the Celtics for the better part of the, you know, the fifties, the sixties, uh, the seventies, uh, now there was a little dip there for about three or four seasons in the late seventies, but then in the eighties, you know, for, you know, you could generally say for comfortably for 35 of those 40 years, the Celtics were in the middle of everything in the NBA and were at a very high level. And, and, and it, it went from one player to the next player, the next player. And like I referenced earlier, red thought he had it set up when he drafted Len bias and, and the tragedy that followed and, and, and then, uh, you know, of course, you know, Reggie Lewis was turning out to be an all-star level player, and then he passes away suddenly. Um, so, so that culture, and, and obviously, there's great players there. Russell, Kuzi, um, uh, oh God, Havlicek, um, uh, what's the guy's, uh, Dave Cowens, Bird, Bikale, Parrish, Dennis Johnson, all of these players. They're, they're, you, you don't have a great culture without great players, and you got to have both. But in order for those great players to thrive, you got to have a great culture. So I think that's a really important coaching point. Yeah, that that is very true. It's you've got to be able to dig that culture into everybody from top to bottom. Yep, yep. What's uh, what's your first coaching point? Um, mine is best players need to be your best players. Mm-hmm. but they also also have to rely on their teammates to reach your goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of like where the Magic and Jerry conversation was, like we talked about earlier. Your best players got to be your studs, and they've got to go out there and do everything they can, but they can't try to do it themselves. Yep, they got to uh, make everybody better. Yes. Yep. If you don't make everybody better, you're not going to win many games. Yep. It's going to make it a lot tougher. So you've got to make sure your best player knows, hey, yes, we want you to be the best player, but you've got to be able to make the others just as good as you to be able for the team to succeed. Yep. You, that's, that's what I had written down. So we kind of hit that same point there. You, you, you got to make everybody better around you. Uh, so, yeah, we, we both nailed that one, buddy. So um, I think you just got to play the game. You know, that's another coaching point that I had. Uh, and you had mentioned it earlier. Keep your cool. Keep your cool, like, you know, they were saying. Um, now, obviously, at our level, things don't escalate with clotheslines and, and and people shoving each other out of bounds. Uh, you know, uh, at least I haven't seen that from the Millard West Wildcats. And, and I hope you probably haven't seen that from the Fort Calhoun Pioneers. But, yeah. uh, but uh, you, you just got to play the game. And oftentimes in our situations, Casey, 
it's it's uh, the officiating that sometimes we can get frustrated with and get upset with. Um, just play the game. You just got to go out. You just got to play the game. Control what you can control and keep your cool, like you had mentioned earlier. And, and I think that's a great coaching point as well. Yeah, I had that one written down. Players will follow your lead. Awesome. Uh, yeah. If you lose, if you lose your cool, they're going to lose their cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't get sucked into bad situations mm-hmm. um, or tough situations to see for the players see your emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely, good stuff. Um, you got you got any? Uh, how many more you got? I got one more. Okay. Um, I've got. It's kind of going into game seven, living in the moment. Um, not worrying about what happened in the past or in the history um, where Riley's talking about that. Visualize what you want to happen and not and leave it on the floor. Don't come back saying, I wish I could have done more. Um, coaches, you've got to tell all your players, it's like, it's Friday. This is a game you worry about. You don't worry about what happened on Tuesday. You don't worry about what happens tomorrow on Saturday. Mm-hmm. You worry about these 32 minutes. Um, play your game. Um, visualize what you want to do. We've, as coaches, we're going to put you in the best situation possible, mm-hmm. but you've got to go out there and leave it on the floor. Don't come back saying, oh, I wish I would have done this differently or wish I would have done that. And that's the same for coaches too. Don't, yeah. don't overthink it. Don't come back saying you wish you would have done more because what you put them in the situation to do, that should be what you believe in. Yeah. I, I call, um, and I had I had those two things exactly written down, maybe in a little bit different way. Um, we I, I've always called that a man in the mirror moment, or in our case, you know, our our women in the mirror, right? Um, you know, and and probably once a year we kind of bring that up. All right, look, this is on us. This is on this is on us as coaches, and this is on us as players. We got to start doing better, and we got to look at ourselves in the mirror and say, "Am I really bringing this the way that that we need to bring it?" Or yeah, in in, in some sort of sense like that. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's got to be that accountability. You've got to own your job. You know, as Belichick says, do your job, and and players' jobs are to make plays, and coaches' jobs are to put the players in the best positions that they can. And, and, and you've got to own it. You've got to be accountable for what you are doing or in some cases not doing and, and do it better. Um, so I like that. And then um, I, I kind of thought it was interesting, you know, before game seven, um, you know, just the, the, the day or the, the hours before a big game is absolutely awful. I, f- I hate it, Casey. <laughs> I absolutely, I absolutely hate it. I, I think I handle it better now, but um, – you know, you I, got, you, I just I just want to play every day, <laughs> just so I just so I mentally just so I'm there. I hate waiting. Yeah, and and uh, you know, I remember um, Mike. We were up at Briarcliff, and we were getting ready to play the game to go to the national tournament. It was the first time. It was kind of the first real big big game that I'd ever been part of as a coach. And we had a chance to go to the national tournament, and we were playing some team out of like Louisiana or something like that. And the day of the game, and it was a Saturday, we were playing like Saturday night at 7.30. So we had all day to just, you know, and we literally got out wiffle balls and wiffle ball bats. And we played wiffle ball in the gym for like three hours, Mike and Jamie and I, and just played home run derby and did all this stupid stuff. And it was it was the way we let out stress before the game, you know. And, and I think you have to have some sort of way to 
calm yourself, breathing techniques, listening to music, visualization, whatever your thing is, I, I think you've got to have a way to calm yourself so that when you get into that that stressful game. Now, for me, usually by the you know when you start getting into the flow of your natural pregame, then I really start calming down. Like okay, now it's now it's starting to feel natural, but. Well, those those hours before that, that that just kills me. That just kills me, man. So um, that was my. I, I, I've I've got one more coaching point. Um, losing sucks. Yeah, <laughs> losing just sucks. And I thought they did a good job of showing how the Lakers were feeling. You know, in the in the locker room, in the showers. You know, just uh, losing just sucks. It just absolutely sucks, and um, the moment you can't let losing overwhelm you, you can't let it dictate everything in your life. And and I know, especially when I was at my old job, I probably I I don't want to say probably I know I let that happen to me, and and I'm sure you were there at, at certain points when you were at your old job as well, Case. Um, yeah. But it still has to bother you some. Losing still has to bother you, and and the moment that losing doesn't bother you is probably the time, especially. And I'm not saying with like coaching your fourth grade team or something like that. Losing, you should not be losing sleep over losing fourth grade basketball games or or soccer games or anything like that. But if if you're expected to win at a certain level at a varsity level or something like that, and losing doesn't bother you, um, it, it might be time again. That's a man in the mirror moment for you as a coach because I think that's important. That losing should it, it shouldn't overwhelm you. It shouldn't obsess you, but it should bother you. That's yeah. that's my last one. Oh, I'm I'm very much on that. I tell girls this all the time. I hate to lose. I don't care what it is. Yeah, that's just me. That's just my mentality. Like yeah. I don't care what I'm doing. Um, when I was golfing like crap a couple of weeks ago, I was mad because. I just stunk. Like yeah. that's just me, menta- my mentality that I do not like to lose. I do not like to play bad, do anything bad. So that's that's just something that I think if you lose that as a coach or a person, it's it's really tough to be one to coach to continue to coach. Yeah, um, and I think I think I've been there before. Yeah. Uh, I think we, I think you and I both have been. It's like when you get to the point where you don't know what to do anymore and you're just like, well, yeah. we lost. All right, I guess I'll go home. Then it's kind of like you, that's where your man in the mirror moment is right there. Yeah. Yeah. I, I will say this. I don't know if I've ever told you this. Um, I think I have, but I don't know if I ever have. I, I really, that, uh, that the last time we coached against each other and, and you guys beat us down at your place. Yeah. I, I, I was genuinely, um, I didn't want to lose, but I knew that we had gotten out of your place four or five times where we should have lost and we didn't, that I was, I was disappointed that we lost, but I felt like you deserved that win because we had escaped three, four, five other times. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and so, yeah, I didn't want to lose. Um, I was not happy with a lot of things that happened in that game with our performance and other things and you know so forth and so on but i but but i honestly i felt like you deserved that because we had escaped out of your place four or five other times where we we deserved to lose and somehow or another we found a way to win and i'm not really sure how we did 
And and so that was that was one I can honestly and I'm not I'm not saying this because we're on here together. I truly mean this right. that 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 I was I was actually happy if I was going to lose to anybody in that manner. I wanted it to be you because you deserved it. If that makes sense. Yeah. 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 I know. I got you. Yeah. So, um, overall grade for this episode, I got to You know, I've been waiting to give the full fledged A. Here it is. Um, uh, just awesome. Too bad it's the last one. I think they finally figured out the formula in season two. I think uh, a season three or four run all the way to Magic's HIV announcement would have been absolutely awesome. Um, but we we will not see it. So I'm I'm just saying, hey, you know, I, I wrote this even before. This is the last thing I wrote, Casey. Great episode, dot, dot, dot. Looks like it's going to be the last one. And then about 30 minutes later on Twitter, I saw that they had canceled it. Um, so I, I just, I give it an A. I thought uh, they, they went out on a high mark. Yeah, no, I, I had an A written down. Um, they hit every point, bullet point that I wanted to see. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think if they could have carried it on, I think, like you said, they hit the nail on the head with what they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we would have seen more of potentially more of the inside of Jeannie moving in. Yep. Uh, learning more of the ropes. Yep. Um, and then continue the Magic and Larry story, which yep. was one of the best things. And as they said it on the credits, it kind of saved the NBA. Yep. Yep. And uh, yeah, without a doubt, it saved the NBA. So uh, if you would have ever taken my sports history class, like I told you to, you would have learned that in class. We we talked about that quite extensively, but apparently you had graduated high school 20 years before, so you weren't eligible to take my sports history class. So. I, wasn't, I wasn't able to go backwards. <laughs> so, um, Casey, this has been a blast doing these uh, with you here. I, I always appreciate it. I, I owe you... Uh, I owe you a, uh, and I'm going to use air quotes here, a paycheck at uh, Crable's place here. I'll, I'll get you taken care of here the next time we meet up. And we've we've got to get the committee together one more time before we start really running around and going yeah. going our separate ways. So um, let's let's keep that in mind here. How about that? That works. That sounds great. Awesome. I had a lot of fun doing this. Yep. And, and so here's the deal. Even before Casey gets off the phone here, I've already got an idea for us to do something else here uh, that I've been sitting on and. And now that winning time is over, Casey, just I'm just letting you know, um, I've I've got something to pitch you when we get off the phone here. So just be okay. ready. All right, sounds good. All right, that sounds good. All right, uh, again, hope you folks have enjoyed these recaps. Um, it's it's been a lot of fun for us to do. We really enjoyed this show. It's too bad that it's that it's not going to be back. Uh, but we don't make those type of decisions. We're just we're just two guys that live in Omaha, Nebraska, talking about what we thought was, especially in season two, a really really cool show. So. Um, we'll see what happens. You never know. Maybe somebody else will step in for HBO and pick it up and they, they keep it, the story going on. We'll see what happens. So. Coaches, as always, let's be sure to hone our craft one day at a time.